Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code hustleshare. And there might not be the right or a wrong way. I think the most important thing is, you know, if, if, if you're able to convince investors or other stakeholders that this business could be a really big thing, right? That's really the bottom line. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now, here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share podcast. We are going to have on this episode one of the hottest startups in the land. And I, I always say this recently, I just got interviewed. For a documentary for Tech in Asia, talking about the whole Philippine startup ecosystem, and I was telling we're in a whole new wave in a whole new chapter of Philippine startups because now we have two startups that are not just fake ass unicorns anymore. You know, they're on their way to freaking pave that way for the whole country, and those two obviously is Kumu, and the second one is this Mongo guys. The pay Mongo peeps. <laughs> well, again, blaze the trail. Pop and just the whole cherry 2019 and just continue to grow at rapid scale. So we're lucky today because we'll be having one of their co-founders. I've had the CEO guy before. 
uh, two years ago, <laughs> and uh, I need to talk to the other guy, right? That uh, there's actually three of them, actually four, right? Correct? Four, yeah, we're four. Four, <laughs> okay. Uh, of the four horsemen, now the second horseman is here, and we'll be welcoming the chief growth officer of Paymango, Mr. Luis. See ya! Finally, I'm on the show. Thanks for having yes. me. Nah, it's just about that time. Because uh, the last thing I want to do is also do it in a in a stretch run. It's like, holy shit, it's all pay Mongo motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, real recognized, real great job, guys. Uh, I've been uh, low-key uh, fanboying. I don't want to fanboy too much because uh, I'm a grown-ass man. I don't want <laughs> to look, look like a young 20-something, you know, being overzealous and what, but I'm very, very happy how you're blazing the trail and not just blazing the trail in Paymongo, but now you're literally putting your money where your fucking mouth is. Because today, aside from Paymongo, we will be talking about the brand, the, and the newest and the most successful in my book, Fund in the Philippines. And it is... I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Dude, Tell me any fund in the Philippines that has three, I mean, technically two or three YC startups in their portfolio, right? There's not, right? <laughs> Kickstart has one, uh, freaking caliber. But you, you're a YC uh, startup, and now you have two in your own portfolio as well that are also YC. I've never heard that before. That's like, how the fuck did they do this? But before I get carried away, Luis... I need to ask you the million dollar question. Luis, what's your hustle? Cool. Finally can answer this. Uh, so my hustle is Paymongo, where I build tools so that businesses can get paid uh, and succeed online. And on the side, I help early stage founders go from zero to one uh, with the 335 fund, which you just mentioned. There you go. Yeah. They just, you yeah. just went Peter Thiel on us right there. <laughs> uh, zero to one, because that's also where it's the most needed as well. And the Philippine startup ecosystem has grown spectacularly. And I've always said this. So you guys are there, the ones blazing trail, the new wave that are like showing us what's possible that us, the older guys, weren't able to achieve. And it's a mixture of, uh, again, right timing, right startup, and also being the, ma- the market being mature. But it's the zero to one that needs help because after you guys, there's a big-ass fucking chasm over the next wave. And that's what we need to support because it can't just you and and the rest that's just blazing trail. And then when you look back, everybody's so far behind. So that's what we're trying to do. But before I get carried away also, I need you to buckle up, my man, because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. Let's go. There you go. There you go. I just did change oil on this thing lately. (laughs) (laughs) But I brought my fiance with me, so it was safe. I didn't get in trouble. I did the change all on the time machine with the time machine. So I want to understand, Luis, before Paymongo, describe to me what growing up was like. Did you have any inclinations of being an entrepreneur or being someone who wanted to solve problems at an early age? Yeah, no. So I guess like my case was that I, I knew from like the earliest age that I wanted to uh, pursue entrepreneurship, right? Wow. I think. I must have been like five years old. Um, wow. the, the thing that, that got me was when I learned that in a casino, the house always wins, you know? Like, yes. uh, and when I, when, I, when I learned that, I was like, holy shit, I need to become a casino owner. So <laughs> when my uncles would go and ask me like, what do you want to go when you grow up? You know, my cousins would say like doctor or whatever. I'd be like casino owner. They'd be like, what? So, you know, like 
entrepreneurship has always been like uh, the dream. I knew that that was always what I wanted to do from an early age. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's cool because again, you're right. The house always wins. And it's so good because the house makes you feel that you actually won. But in reality, what you just get is chump change, right? <laughs> it's a game exactly. of numbers, right? Yeah, with whatever their spread yeah. was and whatnot, you balance the spread, you balance the odds, you make some people exactly. win, but a lot of people lose. And it is right. funny because that concept is alien to a lot of people. Until now, even grown-ass men don't understand that. They, they, they right. drink the Kool-Aid, they think they're winning, but they're not. But at a young age, how did you learn that? And, and that's very important because if you understand that at a, at a very young age, your whole perspective in life and how the world operates is, is totally unique. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, just a mix of things. But I, I'd like to think that I was really born out of the internet. Uh, I think mm. uh, the internet, even at a young age, gave me access to, you know, that it was possible to start these tech companies. Like I heard this, this place called Silicon Valley that, mm-hmm. you know, like people are just starting companies out of their garage. Obviously, there was a story of like Steve Jobs and all of that. Mm-hmm. Those were also very inspirational for me, uh, mm-hmm. even if, you know, like uh, I had no background starting these tech companies. Right. So, right. you know, I did a lot of experimentation. Um, like in high school, I started my first website, which is called bestprice.ph. Wow. Uh, is, yeah, in which high is school. Like mar- yeah, in high school, that wow. was my first one, which is a marketplace to sell phones. So I was a, mm. essentially like a dealer for like Cherry Mobile and all of these like uh, cell phones. I'd sell to the provinces, right? Wow. Um, and I'd get in trouble because like people would call my, my cell phone. I'd, I'd be hiding it during exams and it would wow. be like 30 missed calls mm-hmm. <laughs> after, right? So <laughs> I, I, I'd be like, uh, you know, I, I would be experimenting on that mm. uh, in high school or, and, and then all of the way throughout college, right? So... Yeah. For you to build product that way in high school, again, there wasn't any foundational piece. So you, ha- you, you, you would have had to really put in a lot of work, even mm-hmm. researching and, put it, uh, and, and acquiring the skills you need to even put aside. Did you code it or did you go the, the so-called, now it's, it's freaking common, even has a fucking name, the no, no code, code movement, right? <laughs> but well, how did you put up your own product? Because again, at high school, a lot of the, your contemporaries also, we're pretty much doing stupid shit. I was one of them. I, I, I only got my epiphany around college, but at high school, dude, I was a totally different guy. Yeah, no, it was largely no code. I remember the, the what I used was like Presto Shop back then was like popular, right? Uh, so I had the, the site up, but there were many things that I, I wasn't able to do because I didn't know how to actually create them. You know, that's, that's what actually led me to like the next chapter, which was going to college. I, I chose to take up uh, computer science. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to sort of, you know, build stuff, right? That was the whole idea. I knew I wanted entrepreneurship tech, uh, needed needed some background in computer science. I never ended up uh, actually uh, becoming an engineer per se, although okay. it did give me a lot of background. But yeah. <laughs> Got it. I, I want to understand. So there's one of my fav- all-time favorite songs, uh, Role Models by J. Cole. I don't know if you're a big fan of J. Cole. Uh, but he said he didn't have any role models. And it's hard to grow up as an entrepreneur, you know, because even though you, you're persistent in what you want to do, there are some potholes that you can only overcome if you had role models or, men, or mentors that help pave you that way for you. For you at an early age, were there any mentors or role models you were patterning yourself into? Because I've had also a lot of entrepreneurs here that were heavily influenced by parents or people that they were close with that they emulated to become entrepreneurs themselves. Was there anyone like that for you? I think it's hard to 
to pinpoint just one, you know, like I, yeah. I think when, when, when I was young and I was looking at the tech ecosystem in the Philippines, it's so young. And I think that's just precisely it. There, there's not a lot of, of, of role models. Of course, like there were the typical ones that you'd see in Silicon Valley, like, right. uh, like I said, like Steve Jobs and all of those, but quickly you, you, you understand that things are much different here. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't really pinpoint one. Got it. And that's what's, what, that's actually what's present now in the, in the ecosystem. There are role models. There are winners in the ecosystem. That because when we're starting out, like freaking 2011, 2012, we look at all right, who the fuck is our who is our bannerman? Who is leading <laughs> the freaking charge? We don't know who's gonna teach us shit. So there's a lot of trial and error, and mostly errors that happened at the early stage. That's why a lot of startups didn't push through sure. because we were literally trying to figure this shit out on our own. With very, I mean, there are mentors, but it's different when someone was walking you through those potholes. Now, I want to understand. So you said you never became a dev by default, but you mm-hmm. really wanted to pursue product. Right out of college, what's the first hustles that you guys do? Did you go straight entrepreneurship or did you like do some, some corporate stuff to, to accumulate some skills? Well, in college, like my, my mind was all on, on, on uh trying to start something, right? Um, so right there, like I, I did another startup, which was called like Prince.ph, had to do with like shirt printing. Oh, I started wow. an org um, in, I, I went to college in UP mm-hmm. um, where uh, it was called Upstart and basically connected um, students with with startups. I learned, oh, a, that's, yeah, that's where I sort of met like people from the startup uh, industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my first really glance at it. But, you know, none of these things really, like, got me anywhere, got me money, right? So I was, like, in my third year in college, and I realized, like, shit, what am I going to do? Like, I-, I never thought about getting a job, probably, right. like, think about my grades all that much, because that's all about, like, these extracurricular stuff. Mm-hmm. So in my fourth year, I made a promise to myself. Um, it was a new year, actually, and I said, like, the next thing I need to start has to be something that actually makes money, like some cash flow, because I don't want to, like, starve after right. college, right? right. And, and I, I, I wasn't prepared to apply for like other jobs or something. So that's like the first company that I started that actually got traction. Uh, it was called Altitude Technologies. Um, so mm. it had to do with drones. Essentially wow. like the idea was, yeah. Yeah, so the idea was to use drones for aerial surveying um, to get data on like crops or whatnot. Right. Um, but, but eventually like it turned out to be uh, main like retailer and distributor for drones. So we are so right now we're actually one of the largest retailers for drones, right? And, and the team's like a, a little bit over twenty people. Um, so that's what I did in my fourth year of college. It sort of took off. I started earning money. <laughs> you know, like I, I left college because of that actually. Mm-hmm. So I never actually uh, finished to start that. Um, mm-hmm. And and I did that for the next four years. Yeah, that's amazing. But two things. So traction only happens. When there is, you know, again, a zero to one movement, which again, we'll discuss later because you're now supporting <laughs> yeah. all these people that are trying to go zero to one. From that zero to one uh, start uh, where, again, you were literally in college and mm-hmm. put such pressure in yourself, I, I, don't, I don't see that often. I, I did that to, on myself too, but I had very scarce resources. Matter of fact, I was negative. I was already broke before I even, uh, because again, I was, came from a, very, very humble household, per se. For you, two things I want to know. Drones are not freaking cheap. They're not cheap, yeah. How did you amass the funds to get the first 
uh, units that you needed because you can talk tech all you want, but there is a hardware component to this. So you need to get that. And number two, what was your go-to market strategy? Because if the mindset was to make money, you had to build a network right away and fast and also evangelize that drones were a thing. Right. Yeah, no, the first drone I bought, I, I remember it pretty vividly. It was like 23,500 pesos, right? Wow. So um, I, I, I was able to accumulate that. I had that much in savings, but that was pretty much it. Wow, all <laughs> um, in. But then, yeah, yeah. But then I, I, I got into uh, and connected to your next uh, question. Like uh, the business really transformed. Like the idea was for aerial surveying, but it turned into a more traditional business yeah. where drones were just starting to become a thing, you know, wedding videographers and everything. Mm-hmm. And I started selling them online, right? And I sold that first drone. I made like a couple thousand pesos from that. Uh, did did some ads, maybe like boosted it 500 pesos or 1,000 pesos over just like one night, like uh, <laughs> during midnight. Mm. Um, and it sold. Like the next day, I sold the drone. Okay. I went back to the supplier. Uh, and eventually, he gave me terms, like payment terms. Nice. So it's like, you know, 14-day payment terms. Eventually, became like a month payment term. So... I guess like what I learned there is uh, I might not have had the funds, but there are a lot of other like external parties that might be able to support you in, in getting out if you're able to provide them some value. I, at that point, like the value that I was providing them is like, sure, they had the money to import these things, but they didn't know how to sell it. Right? They didn't know how to market it. Mm. Um, and, and that was sort of the value I was putting in. Um, and that's how it all started. Right? That's amazing. And imagine 14 day payment terms. That means some, you can charge a client whether it's a freaking credit card payment or whatnot, get the money. You won't have. You don't need to have a, a, a you know puhunan at all to, to pay it because they're literally front loading. And when the time comes that you have to pay the supplier, you literally sort of sort of drop ship the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's the most impressive thing that I wanted to ask you about because a lot of young twenty somethings are not good with money. They like to make it rain, you know, buying the good shit and whatnot. And whatever they do, they run it like a mom and pop. What I mean by that is that, you know, okay, we made money, but let's make it rain. Go to the club, make it rain, do whatever it is. But for you to sustain this business and, you know, keep it going till now, you know, you, you must have had that literacy about money to roll over profits. How did you develop the discipline? And also the knowledge to handle the money well. Because it was very tempting to buy that next Jordan or whatever the fuck we wanted, <laughs> right, to get that done. No, I, I, do, I would have to 100% credit my parents for that one. I think like I was just brought up in a very financially conservative uh, household, right? Very Eastern philosophy. Um, there would be stuff like, you know, you see one peso on the floor, like I always pick it up because like <laughs> you sort of have to respect money that way. Yep. Um, and, and, and that's how like, uh, that's how I uh, see businesses, like every peso really counts. Um, and it, even more so when you, you actually have to work for it. Oh, that's great. And again, it's that discipline. And in, in, in the more you know it, like, shoot, that was ingrained to you at a very young age. And again, that discipline is important because a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of startups do this. They can make revenue, but they cannot keep the revenue because they burn so much. Their their margins are fucked. And if they yeah. do make a margin, they make it rain. They exactly. invest it on things that doesn't grow the business further. They gratify no, themselves right yeah. away, right? So, yeah, go going back to that. What, what, what do you think? It, it does make sense that, you know, making sure that that money and 
financial literacy as a fa- founder, as, a, as an entrepreneur is very important because not everybody is geared to raise funds. Sure. And the traditional way to run a business is to grow it through profit, right? Right. Yeah, I think for me, like, it's that I was agnostic towards doing tech or traditional business. For me, they're, they're very much related, right? They're just with two different goals, right? And even when you get into tech, having a traditional business mindset in terms of how you think about money, um, I think it's, it's really key to seeing a lot of like entrepreneurs succeed, especially in the Philippine market, right? In the States, you know, like folks are a bit more liberal on their spend, but I think, you know, in emerging markets, um, it really pays to know um, your unit economics, your margins and things like that. And that's a lot of skill that, that people in the traditional business have, right? Uh, I think mm-hmm. both are actually equally important. Correct. And you don't have, it's not, it's not zero sum. And that's what I think young founders need to understand that it, it, just because you're playing the growth game and you, know, you need to raise funds and you need to do it doesn't mean that you can't be frugal and chase after the money as well. You know, because some people think, ah, yeah, let's go all out and make it rain and fuck, fuck my <laughs> unit economics. Yeah, yeah. And that's why a lot yeah. of people burn out. You know, they run through the runway, they die in the process. No, I think it's, it just boils down to maximizing value, uh, you know, for every peso. Yeah. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now talk about how you then planted the seed and be- trailblazed the YC journey through Paymongo. Let's talk about that more after the break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at PH, the country's biggest SaaS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. 
And we're back from the break. We're still with Luisia, the chief growth officer of PayMongo, who then told us what his hustle was prior to PayMongo and, and doing that. Now, I want to understand, how did you meet this whiz kid who was like a beast teaching beast people? Because I've had Francis, your co-founder, before. I still remember a, a good chunk of, of that interview. You know, he, he joined several startups as well. You know, he was an MIT graduate. And, you know, he was teaching people how to code in, in Ateneo. How did you meet this guy? And how did you form the team that eventually became PayMongo? And walk us through how you joined YC in 2019. Yeah, no, I actually met Francis way back. I think that might have been 2014. Um, did he buy a drone from you? <laughs> <laughs> he actually did. One of, oh, like, shit. 2016 or 2017. Wow. But I met him through uh, Upstart, the okay. org I started in, in, in college. And Got it. he had just gotten back from uh, from the States then, right? Got it. Um, and then I think it was just like maybe his first year in Manila. Um, so I, I met him. We got along. Um, he, he also was super interested in doing startups. And yeah, we just literally, like, we just kept in touch. For, for those like five years mm-hmm. until in 2019, you know, we would have these dinners like maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. He told me that he was, you know, getting into consulting uh, with, with a company called 22 Delta with, with Jaime, right. uh, where, where our CTO, um, where Edwin, our chief operating officer was, uh, was an investor, right? Um, so he, you know, like just chatting about it, bouncing around ideas. I ended up doing some help for them on the sales side for 22 Delta. So we, we were quite in touch at that time, but Pimongo all happened. It was really just out of necessity, right? We were doing like this 22 Delta thing, but it was clear that no one was paying for, for software in the Philippines. Like yep. you had like Francis and a really great engineering team, but any, anything we did, like sort of like pitch to a, to, to a company, it's always like the cheaper uh, one or the cheapest one that would win, right? So we decided, and there was just like a few weeks left of like payroll left, we were like, shit, we need to do something. Uh, we need to build something that we could actually sell and scale, right? Because this thing isn't working out. Mm-hmm. And that's where we just did a brainstorm and uh, we ended up, you know, with, with, with payments. Um, it wasn't anything grand, like, you know, sort of like the mission that we share now. It was more of like a very specific pain point, which was that, you know, we, we often found it hard to integrate with, with payment services. You know, like I had started uh, websites before and apps and so did Francis and Jaime. And, and we still thought it was like an open problem, right? So, yeah, that's that's where it started. And that was around March in 2019. Wow. So it was really, you know, last two minutes for you because you don't have payroll. Um, and you had, this was a Hail Mary that you were trying to do. Like, whatever, let's try to do parents. But uh, payments. And I, I, I totally agree because in, again, my, my, the, the business that I got acquired in Chatbot BH, people were actually paying software. But yeah. other than people also, you know, low-balling tech, number two, if they do choose you, they fucking mm-hmm. take forever to pay. Nobody pays on fucking time. No, right? exactly, exactly. So imagine, imagine if you have correct. a very and, yeah. short runway, you're front-loading two to three to four months of costs before you even get that and, and cherish your margin. So you have to have a long runway because nobody pays on time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we heard, learned the hard way. Correct. And here you are now changing the game because prior to PayMongo, 
again, just just putting the, the whole perspective, you have to go to at least Singapore or join Stripe Atlas in freaking Delaware, right? To even get a chance to even pay, charge recurring revenue. And that's the name of the game in a healthy startups. The holy fucking grail, MRR, monthly recurring revenue. If you don't have a healthy dose of monthly recurring revenue, it's simple. Whether you're a traditional business or a startup, your startups are going to die. So now here you are running out of runway, doing a Hail Mary in YC. What did you do right? Because I think we, you found the formula of how to get in there. And because you're now helping other Filipino startups getting in there as well. And I think the Caliber peeps also gave a little bit of t- tidbit when, when they said that they, you also did a brainstorm with them at one point. Walk us through how you guys did this. Oh yeah, no, uh, no. I think the, the the right thing that we did, and and, and it was Francis' idea actually, was mm. to apply for YC to begin with. Yeah. Right, we had nothing. We had an idea. We wanted to do payments, and we had no funding. Uh, but we applied to YC, even if you know the last one that got in was Caliber, and you know we didn't really see it possible at the time to get into YC. Like recently, more and more have been getting in, but at that time, it had been like a good six years. Yeah. before a Philippine startup got in, right? So, but we tried anyways. Um, we submitted our, our application in March. Sort of forgot about it because it's like, this isn't going to happen. Like no one's even gotten in, right? right? But they replied and we got on a wow. video call with them. And that's when we were like, okay, maybe something's happening here. Like maybe this is, this is something that's promising, right? Um, so that's the initial interview. And they invited us to, to their offices in, in Mountain View the, the month wow. after, right? So... Um, we had one month to prepare before we flew out to, to Mountain View. Yeah. And that's when we went all out. We were like, this has potential. Like, we should put all our energy here. We did everything from getting signups. And like you mentioned, like, we, we met up with Paul and Dexter. And, and they were super helpful in giving us advice of how to get in. Uh, there, were just, there was just a, a huge community, like, helping us uh, for that interview. And we really prepared, like, crazy for that Um when we and then we went to San, uh, to Mountain View, uh, that was around May in 2019, and we got it. So that's that's I guess the first thing that we did right in the company. <laughs> got it. So I'll just d- dive in a little bit on on this YC process because again, yeah. after Caliber, there was just a vast sea of nothing, <laughs> of no, no Filipinos even yeah. getting anywhere close to what that's why caliber was just such a special startup back then again and still is till now i I hire everybody from caliber now but after that there was nothing but walk us through that process what did it feel like when you saw that they replied (laughs) because that would have been freaking surreal like shit (laughs) what is this is this a prank what is this no, we, we we went pretty much crazy when 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 they when they invited us to go to the mountain. Like, oh. Pack your bags, we're going. <laughs> Holy shit! Now, yeah. in the interview process, and I think this is where you really prepared the most. What goes through this mm-hmm. interview process? Because again, I props to you. I I think the reason why NextPay and and Avion is there because you gave your pay you pay that formula forward. But what preparation did you do to nail that interview well? Well, you know, like the common advice that I give people applying to YC, which is also the advice given to us, I think, uh, by, by Paul and Dexter was team time traction, right? Uh, those are just three things, basic things you need to prove YC to really get in. Um, I felt we had a strong team. 
But yeah. on the, the TAM, which is uh, the market size and, and traction, like those are things that we had to validate. And we hadn't, we didn't have a product or anything, not, nothing at all, right? So um, we needed to find other ways to validate the solution, right? So we, we made sort of like a sign-up page and we promoted it, talked to users, even if we didn't have a product yet, to figure out what might they need. So that when we went to YC, we'd show like, hey, at least we have like this set of, wow. I think we had like over a thousand users on the wait list when we got to YC. Yeah. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we looked a lot about like the Philippines. We were quite concerned uh, on, on the dam part because we wanted to make sure that, you know, the Philippines was a sizable enough market for them to look into. And right. it was, it was. I think, uh, you know, like you know, lucky enough, like their eyes were on the Philippines. And, and now I think it's clear that they're interviewing more and more folks from, from the it. Philippines. But at that time, we didn't know if the Philippines was acceptable to them versus a big, big enough dam, right? So we, we spent a lot of, of time thinking about how to position the Philippines in general yeah. as a market. Yeah, Got it. And he, I want to do a deep dive on TAM because I've seen so many hundreds and yeah. hundreds of pitches who get the TAM wrong. So again, for, for those people who are listening, what the fuck is, are these two mm. saying? What is TAM? TAM is total addressable, addressable market. How big is the fucking market that, that you're trying to do yeah. or solve the problem yeah. for? And what I usually see is that, yeah, this is a $5 billion industry, blah, 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 blah. Like, really now? <laughs> and I always see that, like, really? How, how much of that market are you trying to address? And this is where people bungle the whole pitch majority of the time. And you, you throw them a curveball majority of the time, they drop it. How did you do the TAM right? Because a lot of people till now struggle on this slide in their pitch. All the, and if those are the three factors that they need to get right in YC, team is already hard. It's hard to assemble the team. Traction is hard. Frick, good luck trying to get the right traction in a short amount of time. But TAM, TAM is research. TAM is preparation. But, and TAM is also presentation. How do you do it properly? To, to properly measure and show what your total addressable market is? Well, you know, like to be completely, completely honest with you, like there is no uh, formula for TAM. If you, if you go to like a demo day YC pitch, you would see a lot of those like billion dollar TAMs, right? <laughs> at the end yes. of the day, like at the end of the day, like TAM is just a thought experiment. It's, it's to make sure that you've, you've thought about how big this could get, right? And there might not be the ri- a right or a wrong way. I think the most important thing is, you know, if, if, if you're able to convince investors or other stakeholders that this business could be a really big thing, right? Okay. That's really the bottom line. And combining that with early traction is that people would actually use whatever iteration of the product you'd have to begin with. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much BS. All of the time. No, BS, <laughs> but with credibility. I still remember my interview with Paul and Dexter here that yeah. one of the startup, the, the things that they usually ask in, this, in a job interview is the Google question. How many balls can you fit in whatever freaking vehicle it is, <laughs> right? And that question is a strict question, not because there's a right or wrong answer. It's how you can fucking justify your BS, right? Yeah. How fucking exactly. yeah. good can you do this and paint that picture and look like the most credible motherfucker in the room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, YC happened, and I think uh, Francis already talked about this, and this is where I want to find out next. Because, you know, you raised, I forgot, uh, I think somewhere in the range of two to three million seed. Uh, is that correct? After YC? That's correct, yeah. This is where I want to find it out because, dude, you just went fucking bonkers. And this is where your hustle as growth because tech will take care of itself. 
But growth is intentional. Growth is before you even go- mm-hmm. launch a product. Growth is making a good product that multiplies other users to do it without having to spend on fucking marketing at all, right? What did you do to get from YC after YC to that next round that you just freaking blew everybody away? Right. I think one of the the most the best decisions that we did uh, when we were starting out was really deliberately thinking about the go to market that that we wanted to to cater to, right? Um, yeah. And when we looked at the landscape, we wanted to serve those who were the, the most underserved segment in the market, right? And and we saw those as like the independent sellers, like the Facebook and Instagram sellers, like these people who don't even have websites. Those are the guys that the banks or the or some like uh, older payment gateways didn't even care to, to look at because they were just too small. Like the volume wasn't there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the decision that we made is that the first iteration of the product that we would launch would be a payment links product, mm-hmm. uh, which we could easily sell. And 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 that was really key to us being successful and raising money just on our demo day because we needed to show significant actual traction. Right. By the time demo day happened, which is just three months in YC, right? Yeah. So the question was like, what is the fastest way we can we can gain traction in, in that short span of time, right? Mm-hmm. And to us, like the answer was looking at the most underserved market where the sales cycle were, were was less was was way shorter, right. um, and there was an immediate need for the product, right? And no integration time, and and so the first good decision that we made was really thinking about like the go-to market launching payment links and and that immediately became a success for those types of businesses. Later on, obviously we 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 built products for like enterprise and these bigger businesses, but that was really the start and how we got like our first set of customers. Got it. Now after the first set, there needs to be, you know, those drivers of growth. And correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. the, the the volume is there, but the retention might be uh, you know, sputterish. I don't know if that's the right fucking word. Because you know, the, the, there's no recurring payments all the time. It's a one-off, <laughs> right? So you're always supporting massive sure, one-night yeah. stands. A lot of one-night stands, <laughs> technically. But again, you need yeah, to support exactly. a lot of people paying the same shit over and over again. If they're the one doing that for, through you, holy shit. You just built the, the mammoth. And that's what Stripe also did. That's what Stripe powered mm-hmm. in, in the States or wherever country they're in. That ability to do recurring payments was the mm-hmm. main draw. How did you get that done for you? And what were the rooms for growth? And what were those iterations you made to make sure that there's a sustainable influx of repeat transactions that happen? What drove that? Yeah, you know, like that's that's something that we we still very much think about and work on today. But from the past two years, the the way that we look at it is that we we want to build products that serve different use cases in your business, right? Okay. You might not just use links. You uh, we have a Shopify plugin, we have the API. You might be a user of uh, permutation of those products, right? Okay. And for us, like building a lot of those value add products is what makes the platform stickier for for merchants, right? Yeah. You might use our plugin for Shopify, but once you have like a one off payment that you need to do do through your messenger or Instagram channels, then you'll lose use our links product, right? So that's that's what we've done so far. But mm-hmm. how we plan on making our our platform even stickier is by thinking about more and more of those value-added products and services that would really 
anchor the merchants to our platform. Okay, now here's the million dollar. Million dollars, not just million dollar, because we're not going to talk about <laughs> your seed. Is that your seed or your seed, right? That was your seed. That, that, that was like, seed, yeah. Shit. How much did you raise again? Uh, it's 2.7. No, the, the, the next round. Oh, 12 million. 12 fucking million dollars. Are you kidding me? That's a valuation of multiple <laughs> startups already in the Philippines. <laughs> and that was just that was your series A, correct? That was your series A. Okay. Holy shit. Now I want to understand this because first of all, number one, there's not a lot of people or there's not a lot of startups in the Philippines that ever make it to, to series A. I would bet it probably in the it probably in around 10 to 20 startups maximum mm-hmm. that ever made it to Series A. You'd probably get one. And again, good luck trying to get people to, to exit. But to get that Series right. A, you know, that's already a big accomplishment. What were the metrics? Because at the end of the day, it's all metrics driven and milestone driven. What were the metrics you drove hard in or drove hard to to achieve that allowed you? to get to that series A thing because you know it's not just all about hype Fuck, you know you, you, there there's there's mm-hmm. all of there are metrics you need to hit consistently and you know surpass exponentially to even amass that type of the uh, series A round what was that right from from an investor point of view i think like you know like that's the same my same reaction when you raise like holy shit right um, <laughs> but i think from from an investor yeah, exactly like even me but like from an investor point of view, even like a Series A and a C, these are still very early rounds, right? right. And, you know, at, at the early stage rounds, what they really look at is it's really market share, right? And and a lot of like the stuff like your, what, what progress you've done in terms of the products that you've built, a lot of these types of things play into the decision of, of doing a Series A. So, yeah, I think that that was mostly it. It was really just uh, the products that we built out, and and the market share and, and how fast we are growing even more than than the actual number of mm. payments that we were processing was the the growth rate right so they might squint at the actual number but if you're growing at a really rapid rate um that's a really good sign yeah got it now last question before we take our last break and talk about the three three five i want to understand let's go okay it yeah. can't just all be you uh four horsemen okay you had to build a team. I want to understand also yeah. how you built the team to support this type of growth because it is yeah. hard to build a freaking superstar team. Very hard. Right. Especially if you're sure. growing this fast. It's scary. <laughs> what type of yeah. people did you get on the boat to even get you to that level of Series A? Because after that, I'm pretty sure you, you doubled down. What was that like? Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting question because like, I think when you hire for companies like Daymongo, it's a SaaS company, mm-hmm. there aren't any, for example, if you're hiring like a sales lead for, for SaaS, you, 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 you couldn't find any. In the Philippines, it just don't exist, right? So There's nobody. You have to build them. <laughs> there's nobody, right? Exactly. You need, to, you need to take a bet on the right people, right? People who are self-starters and people who can learn on their own. And, and I think that's one of the things that we did uh, correctly early on. We bet on young people who really could take ownership of the roles. Um, yeah, shout out to my team, for example, like our, our sales lead, Josh. He there came in as like a solo a salesperson. And now he's heading the whole sales team. Same with our lead for customer success, Wacky. 
Um, these are people who were able to wear multiple hats at the start, um, but really took the initiative to learn everything about SaaS sales or SaaS customer success and all of these things um, from the ground up. If you went and, and tried to find someone senior to lead your sales team, for example, they would only be stuck in, in how it was done, right? right? But you're building something new. And then I think the bet is really on, on the people and, and their willingness to sort of learn the, or grow into the role as the company grows, right? So, yeah. Got it. All right. So, sorry. Yeah. Last follow-up question before we yeah, get sure. it. Where, where's PayMongo now? Describe to us after the, the, this, this behemoth freaking Series A in record time also, mm-hmm. what are you guys up to and what's that product mix looking like and what are you trying to build? You know, like our, our head is down and just really building more, like trying to build all of the features and all from all of the feedback that we've got from the past two years. Mm. You know, we currently have 6,000 active merchants on the platform wow. as well. Um, and, and really just scaling up our team to maintain that level of support. Mm-hmm. Those are things that, that, that we're just like sort of heads down focused on. Got it. All right, I have two horsemen. Ho- hopefully, and when I get the other two, we'll get an update <laughs> in a couple months where they yeah, end up. Yeah, Maybe yeah. after they do the series B or when they exit. Let's see. But whatever. <laughs> Again, two out of four so far yeah. because in the next segment that we're going to be doing, these guys are no longer just founders. They are four horsemen with angel, angel wings. They are now investors in other startups. Sure. We'll talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn 
earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust DragonPay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Luis Sia of PayMongo and also the 335 fund. Not 305. We are not Pitbull. Okay. 335. So, <laughs> you know, Dale. You know, she's not, not going to go Dale on us, right? Luis is not uh, a gangster, but he can be. You know, um, <laughs> what we're going to do gangster shit on is now trying to dissect why, other than being these amazing guys building PayMongo, they decided to create a fund called 335. Talk to us about that, uh, Luis, and what started that ethos? Because again, you could have just easily raked the cash in and well, bought a Lambo, bought a Range Rover, <laughs> and made it rain. But why are you yeah. investing in other mm-hmm. Filipino startups? Yeah, you know, like 335 started just super, super, super informal around maybe early last year when we sort of got our ground here in the Philippines and we you know, we just wanted to help other founders get into YC, right? We had only been with the YC company to get in since a long time ago. And we felt like we knew enough stuff, not not everything, but enough to help other folks get in, right? Because I think it was clear to us that there was a huge like sort of YC effect um, of like people coming in and, you know, a culture of sort of getting more people into, into YC just brings the whole ecosystem up, right? So it just started in, in that one of the first entrepreneurs that we we helped out was Victor uh, Avian School, who, who you yes, all yes, we've had him here. Correct. Yeah, so Victor, no, yeah. I had the preview. Yeah. I see Victor. I, yeah. I wonder what what the <laughs> post YC Victor would be. 
<laughs> so if you're interested on his hustle, just just scroll down. You'll find him. Victor, yeah. uh, what's, what's his last name? Victor of Avion School. Rivera. Victor Rivera. Yeah, yeah. There's so many Victors in my yeah, life. So, I, I mix them all up. All right. Yeah. So so Victor was actually working at Paymong. I think I think he shared with you. Um, and you know how he had this burning idea to start. Uh, sort of a lambda school for the Philippines. And right. um, I think that was our first exposure on really being hands-on and, and helping like one of the startups. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, from there, we realized like, hey, you know, like there are so many of these talented individuals like Victor who would make potentially great founders, right? right. It's just that for, for founders like us before, we just didn't know what to do. And a lot of these things that you needed to do to become a successful tech company, a lot of them were trivial. Like, where should I register my company, right? How do I register my company? Um, what should the corporate structure look like? Yeah. Things about like uh, vesting stocks and all of these trivial things that really don't have anything to do about building a huge, like successful company. Um, but they are uh, very big barriers to right. the founders ever seeing success. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, like Victor is like a shining example of that. He got into YC recently mm-hmm. and we thought to ourselves like, there must be like other founders out there, early stage founders that we might be able to help out in the same way, right? So it really just started there. I guess like our whole thinking is that, you know, there are, there's so much talent potential for founders here in the Philippines. Um, but at the same time, like we have, a, like Francis and I have a very strong thesis about how the next 10 years might play out. And, and I, we think that those 10 years will really be like a massive shift towards online, right? Um, a yeah. lot of, opportunity a lot of companies will be founded and the ecosystem will look completely different in 10 years and so we wanted to play like whatever role we can in trying to help founders sort of make the most of what we think would be like a crazy next 10 years and and yeah that's that's where the idea for like 35 came up uh we just thought like you know this is something informal that we were doing why don't we put a little bit structure into it um so we thought of a name we made that open letter that we published uh, 35.com and right. And that's where we are. Mm. Yeah. And what again? Before we dive deep into the type of founders you look like, like Victor, mm-hmm. why again three three five? For those people who haven't read that letter <laughs> that y'all put out to the world, why is it yeah, called three three five? So it's a reference to three three five Pioneer Way, which is the address of, of YC uh, mm. in Mountain View. So yeah, there's some trivia. <laughs> All right. Now let's take a deep dive on the type of founders you were talking about, the victors of the world. Because at the end of the day, like what I said, just like building a team, you take a bet on the founders. And I, in looking at your website, you're saying that you're betting on early stage founders. So you're literally coming in at the phase of zero to one or maybe one to two, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, these startups have barely any of those three, the team, Tam, right. and uh, traction. traction, right? What do you look for? Because this is the riskiest part also. And uh, aside from what do you look for, what are the things you've seen common among those four startups so far? I don't know how, how many you already have in the portfolio, but out of those four, two of them are already in YC. What the fuck? I've never seen that happen. So there must be something that those four startup founders or four startups had in their founders that are common among them that made you want to you know, cut a check for them too. What are those? Right. I think like one of the, you know, one of the things that we look at is really, it's really great. You know, like uh, uh, I think more than uh, degrees or, or, 
or or sort of like looking at it from like a resume from a founder's perspective because you know like fans and I are currently building our own a lot of what it takes to to build a startup has to do with you having just you know the plain grit to to make it happen because just so much shit happens left and right and right. and I think like over over anything like that's one trait that we look at with, with all of the founders that we invested you know like Don and Aldrich from from Nextpay they're amazing founders who just like done so many other businesses but but are doing Nextpay right now Dex from Swarm obviously Caliber has a, a, a long proven track record. And also yep. like uh, Mikey and, and Mad Eats, uh, who are doing ghost kitchens, has a long experience in in, in the F and B industry. So we look at that uh, first and foremost. But but second, like I think if you're asking about like sort of what types of companies sort of interest us, is that we think that there are types of companies that are in a way sort of infrastructural to the to the growth of this sort of like businesses that build other businesses. If you right. if you might think about it, one one example of that is like Paymongo. For example, our whole thesis is that making payments more accessible would allow for other entrepreneurs to go online right yep. um we think there are other companies that that might prove to be infrastructural for example with uh madits who's doing ghost kitchens for example that's infrastructure for uh fnb entrepreneurs to mm. to go online for example and yeah i think you know like a lot of these infrastructural businesses are yet to be filled up um Correct. for the next 10 years and swarm is building product Next yeah. obviously it's doing payments. Yeah, you know, yeah. Avion is you know taking care of that supply of that that very lacking competent developer uh, pipeline that we we don't have that we all need if you're trying to get, build good product. So now I get it. The the you're building the infra, but what are these missing links still that you're still looking to fill? Because you mentioned it earlier, you you're looking at a ten year plan, right? Can you also share with us? What that ten-year thesis that you're looking at? What are these foundational s- sectors that we need to fill in in order to realize that thesis that you had in your mind? Right. You know, like if I had all the answers to that, then uh-huh. you know, like yeah. But uh, I think more or less, like we're we're looking at uh, there are definitely like certain uh, verticals that are super interesting. Uh, FinTech is, is definitely one. You know, in many ways, like I think like twenty, you know, the twenties could be like the decade of FinTech. Right. But any business really that allows for the needle to move to to online, you know, like if if anything, like even if the economy is slowing down in the Philippines, the the crazy thing that's happening mm-hmm. is that the move the needle is is moving at at unprecedented speed towards right. e-commerce, right, and, and towards like the growth of the internet economy, right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether that might look like logistics. Or whatnot. Um, there are just so many factors that that might be able to to even speed that up, right? And so those are the types of companies that that we want to look at. Yeah, got it. So other than grit, though, do you also look for other factors? Because again, you can't just I can just say I'm gritty too. You know, I've been I've managed to survive. <laughs> my my startup is a cockroach startup for ten years. That's gritty. <laughs> but what are the other factors you look for from the founder's point of view? Is it experience and prior Tech experience because I can be gritty, but I might not be a fit for what you're trying to look to fund, right? What right. is there any other stuff you look at? Well, of course, like that that comes without saying, you know, some level of domain expertise. You know, like you, you sort of have an idea if people just know what they're doing. But I think the reason why I pointed out grit is that 
you know, ab- above all of those, like I think right. that's that's one of the most important. But but definitely, we we do look at those stuff as well. Got it. All right. Now I want to understand also the process of how you write checks. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like what I said, there's not a lot of zero to one people in the Philippines that are zero to one yeah. funds that do it in the Philippines, and most are sharky as fuck. You're gonna get shut out. Giving too much too early, <laughs> your cap tables fucked. Nobody else can do a Series A, a Cedar. You know, you're too diluted, right? What's that process like, and how much do you take typically uh, in terms of equity? Right. So I'd like to think that the way that we look at startups is extremely like founder friendly. We are in terms of like valuations and all of that. You know, we take into account how it's typically done outside to make sure that you know there's more than enough room for other investors to come in but in terms of like uh how much we write you know like francis and i are actually just writing checks out of our own like personal savings wow. uh, left and right right mm-hmm. so we're constrained by that as of the moment of course like we're open to the idea of like long term growing this fund into something bigger but uh you know like our approach is really to build like long-term relationships yeah. uh, with the founders themselves um and bet on founders early a lot of the companies that we're currently advising right now uh, who might not have been posted in the letter um, actually you know we we haven't written checks to but we just like advice yeah because we think that there's long-term potential right so um, yeah got it all right now again that's coming from your own money so that's as angel as angel can be so that's that's great <laughs> of you because yeah. we need to again bridge that chasm of uh, between you guys who are pushing the, the envelope to put us in the map and get more funds coming in here and whatnot and also support the rest of the back who's trying to follow the, the, the path you paved. Now, in, in that network that you said, again, it comes experience also. And you have a very good track record. Again, you got two people in the current, current season of, of YC. What did you teach Avion School and Next Pay that got them in YC, because again, you you probably would have figured it out already. The beauty of it is you're not just keeping it to yourself. You're giving people the keys to the VIP, so that it's not just right. you. I mean, it's caliber, and then you and we didn't have to wait another six fucking years to get another Filipino startup. Literally, a couple years after, we got two for the first time, and actually three. Two of them came from you, right? Yeah. How did that happen, and what did you teach them? Yeah, you know, like, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to take responsibility, like, uh, Victor, Don, Aldrich, they're, like, wonderful, amazing entrepreneurs, and for most part, like, they did it on their own, right? But I think, if anything, like, we just give a lot of the stuff that we learned, uh, or we should have known prior to coming in, right? Things that we thought could have helped if, if, if we had people also to support us. And, and in some ways, uh, it's also just paying it back. Like, like I said, the Caliber folks, helped us when we were getting into YC the same way like we were also very hands-on and in, in, uh, in, in uh, doing mock interviews for them, connecting them with some early angels, mm-hmm. you know, just being available whenever they wanted to talk about like how to set up their go-to-market or things like that. Mm-hmm. It's really anything under the sun, right? Um, but, but just, yeah. That is amazing. Now, okay, let's give another open shout out to the world. If someone's listening to this, like, oh, I love 3-3 Fund. How do they reach out to you? And what's your tip? Because everybody's going to try to fucking shoot their shot now. You pop the lid open. You're out there. But what was the pro tip to get your attention? 
Because, dude, right, everybody uh, going to fucking shoot your shot to you. Good luck <laughs> sifting through all these fucking <laughs> yeah, pitches Yeah, so if now. you guys are interested to, to talk to us, uh, just shoot an email to pitch at 335fun.com. Um, and we'll get back to you guys as soon as possible. And, you know, like I said, uh, one of the things we look for is grit. So just take a hint from that if you, if you want to expedited response okay. <laughs> but again domain expertise I don't just say that I'm gritty as fuck and <laughs> you have to be you have to have enough skin in the game in, 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 in your prior hustle to, right. to get these guys because they just don't throw money left and right just for the sake of it but at the end of the day again getting the right people in your cap table very early pays dividends because regardless of how hard you hustle it's the opportunities that open and the doors that are open up for you uh, that you can go through will define whether you make it or break it. Now, I want to ask you several things about hustling because you're pretty good at this, uh, Luis. First thing I wanted to ask, a lot of people go to mentors or go to people that, that they, they try to emulate asking for advice, but they ask the same pedestrian question, which I'm not saying that's bad. But you could have maximized that that meeting better, per se, or that hour that they spend with you better if you ask the right questions. What do you think are the best questions to ask? Asking from a, a founder or an, an advisor, knowing what you know now, because a lot of people ask you for advice. And some of them are routinary, per se. But what are the things that, you know, you would, if, if you'd ask, uh, tell someone, hey, ask these things, what would those be? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting question. I think uh, one, one of the things would be, and not, nothing anything specific on, on the actual question, but just being generally open. Um, I think there are a lot of folks who, who ask for advice with already like a very set mindset on how they want to do things. And then they get hurt. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you maybe ask things of like, how, what would you do like in, in this scenario, right? Or what would you do if you, you know, or like what would an investor find interesting, for example, or what would, example, if you want to get funded, you could ask an investor that you could say like, look, like what would make you interested in this, right? If you're not interested right now, right? So right. try to get as much from their point of view. Um, I think that's, that's where, where you, you really learn a lot. Correct. And, and that, that variance of perspective is actually where the best conversations and best ideas happen. So you come right. in, Wanting to hear the shit you want to hear from an advisor, Mm -hmm. that's a recipe for disaster already. Because I've seen that a lot too. It's like, dude, uh, you just want me to fucking tell you what you want to hear? Nah, I'm not here. I'm going to burst from a fucking bubble, bro. That's what it is. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to ask is you you won't be put in a chief growth role, Luis, if you didn't know your shit, right? What would be your advice for startups in that zero to one, one to two, two to three stage mm-hmm. in building their pipeline and in growing their products? Because sometimes what pains me to see is like, yeah, we will do Facebook social, sock med marketing, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But dude, you got to understand two things. First one is your funnel. If you're, if you, is that still your shtick? If you still like the, the Dave McClure model, or now there's this new model. You're going to be in the show notes. Yes, the loops, <laughs> the reforge loops. Right, right, right. right? Which is yeah. fucking mind blowing. By the way, if, if you want right. to avoid that out, ch- check it out. What's their loop, customer loop? But what would be your advice in, in yeah, building no. those? I think like when, when you're doing a startup, there's just so much shit going around and uh, it's easy to lose 
track of what you really want to happen or get distracted, right? So what's really important is to be clear about what metric you want to optimize for and just go all out in that, like, you know, sleep day in, day out, how you could reach targets for one specific or a couple of metrics if you, if you want, like, but you need to be clear about what you're really optimizing for, right? A lot of people, like you said, like you might, might do like ads or something, but they're mm-hmm. confused about what, they, what output they really want from the things that they're doing, right? If you're right. clear about your metrics, it's something that you could iterate on day in and day out. You might have the shittiest ads, but if you know that you're optimizing for, let's say, cost per sale or something, you could day by day just slowly and slowly iterate on something. So no one starts out perfect in their initiatives, but as long as you can measure, these are things that you can iterate on and eventually you'll figure out, right? So that, that I think, is, is the biggest uh, advice. All right. Now, last question before I let yeah. you go. Sure. What would be your advice to all the Filipino startup founders, again, following the, the path that the, you boys are figuring I'm, I'm literally just right behind you. Uh, and they, not, not, not behind you, but you know, I'm here at the middle. And my job is to tell the ones at the back that, yo, this is what these guys are doing. That's why I'm doing this fucking podcast so that nobody gets left behind. Right. This is your chance to tell those people what they need to do in order to meet that 10, 10 years thesis that you guys have. Because like, you know, guys like Roland Ross also see the same shit. It might just be a different version, but the next 10 years will make or break our country. And it has to come from, from us, the tech sector, mm-hmm. to make that happen. What would be your advice in your point of view for the ones at the back? You know, say it louder for the back, my man. What you going to, what uh, you going to I, say? I think there's just an immense number of opportunities over the next 10 years um, that I don't think any aspiring founder would run out of like a decent, significant opportunity to contribute in the tech space. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the, the biggest advice I'd give is that don't try to figure it out on your own. Um, there are folks like myself, Francis on the 335 Fund side, but you know, founders are generally helpful, right? Yes. And I think the, the, the people who, who, who get lost sometimes, you know, they, they do things without trying to get in sort of the lessons that mm-hmm. other people have learned, right? Um, right? And there are a lot of those. So I think um, just reach out, mm-hmm. take the leap of faith, but always make sure to try to learn from, from all of like the, the stuff that, that other people have learned before you and, and just, just ask for help, right? So yeah, I think that's, that's my advice. Absolutely. And again, if you're shy, that's why we have this fucking podcast. I've had hundreds <laughs> of them now of the big yeah, boys no, and the superstars, so yeah. right? So you can just come in and understand and empathize. If you're scared, okay, that can be starters because I've also... Man, I get this like a twice or thrice a week. Some random dude that's listening in the podcast is like, "Hey, thank you very much because I had the, I had the courage to ask X for advice because I heard his story from you." Right. And what yeah. what again? This podcast is just built to remove that freaking stigma that hey, maybe I cannot talk to Luis. This is easy, probably. <laughs> dude, we're all the fucking same, right? yeah. and we we all just want to fucking pay it forward to you guys. So again, if you're here, if you're listening. Reach out. We don't bite. We're here to help you out. Again, Luis, thank you very much for being on Hustle Show. Thanks but, so much for having me, man. All right. If they, uh, they want to reach fun. out to you again, and again, check out Paymongo. How do they do that? And, and uh, please plug. If you want to do shout-outs too, this is your chance. Yeah, you can reach me uh, for Paymongo stuff. You could reach me at Luis at Paymongo.com directly. Um, and if you're interested on the fun side, uh, do email pitch at 335fun.com. 
We already gave you a heads up, huh? So don't fucking go there and bring your grittiest fucking soul. <laughs> When you pitch these boys, we already gave you a heads up. And again, very exciting times. Again, thank you, Luis. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're, you're listening to, whether Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, and whatnot. And again, if we did say some jargon, give me a show notes on thehustleshare.com. And again, lastly, if you want to join the Hustle Share community and join how you want to freaking grow the show, we also have that on Facebook. And lastly, message us on, on our chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbot.ph. Again, Luis, thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. <laughs>